The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey, hey, hey! But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> it's the Points in the Paint podcast. Welcome everybody to Stadium's NBA podcast. I'm Ben Wittenstein. We've got on the other side Zach Badger House is always in the house. We're ready. It's almost September, which brings us another month closer to being another month closer <laughs> to the start of the NBA season. But we're doing our off-season preview, Zach, as we chug along in the uh, dog days of summer. We have the Cleveland Cavaliers preview this week with Spencer Davies from BasketballNews.com. So hopefully we've got uh, some Cleveland Cavaliers fans listening in, figuring out what's happening to their team because – They've been at the bottom of the barrel for the last couple of years of the NBA, Zach. Uh, ever since LeBron left and Kyrie left 2016, it hasn't really been there. the same team <laughs> since 2016-2017. So they, Kevin Love has been there, but they've really been trying to rebuild since. So this kind of seems like the year that they may turn a, a little bit of a corner, it seems like. And, and Spencer was talking about it in his interview that it, it kind of seems like this could be a, a, an interesting season, to say the least, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting for the Cavs. It'll definitely be interesting because don't know which direction, but Spencer's going to give us some insight on, you know, the perspective of what to look forward to out there in Cleveland. It was a pleasure to have him on. It was. Hopefully it's up is the direction that they're going, but uh, <laughs> who knows? The East is going to be really fun this year is what we know. So I think we're going to have a bunch of uh, Eastern Conference previews coming up, Eastern Conference team previews, I should say, coming up in the next couple weeks. So that'll be a lot of fun as the weeks go by mm-hmm. in the off season. But, Zach, let's get to the voicemail. And we had uh, we had a great voicemail this week, <laughs> so let's go to that. Hello. Please leave a message after the tone. Yeah, so I took a break from work to ask this question. Um, is Chris Paul... A habitual loser? Like, I mean, he got there. He's been there. You know, a couple conference finals, lost them all. Um, made it to the NBA finals, lost it. After two great games, two great two games. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Seeing a habitual loser? It's a little insider for Zach. Wink, wink, nose, nuts. Love you, buddy. All right, so Chris Paul, a habitual loser. Zach, is Chris Paul a habitual loser? The man brings up a great point. Listen, he does, and that's a very familiar voice. So shout out to him being an avid listener of the Points of the Pain podcast. We definitely appreciate that. However, (laughs) you see they try to come at me when it comes to my man, mid-range guy, Chris Paul. You see how they they do me? You see how they do me being – but listen, <laughs> he's not a habitual loser. Um, 
Because if that's the case, a lot of guys are habitual losers, right? I mean, Tracy McGrady, Allen Iverson, you know, that's just to name two guys off the top of the head. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley, there you go. And he <laughs> appeared in the finals, MVP, you know, all that good stuff. AI was MVP, Tracy McGrady, scoring leader in this league. So Carmelo Anthony, you know, so, and you know, I love Carmelo. So there's a, there's a long list of guys who couldn't get it done and who's in the league for quite some time that you would have to call habitual loser if Chris Paul is a habitual loser. Well, the interesting thing is someone put this clip out on Twitter maybe a week or two after the Suns lost in the finals, and it was Chris Paul in the big moments, in the conference finals games, in this year's finals games, and uh, it didn't look good for Chris Paul is what I want to say about that. Oh, there was uh, He had moments where he turned the ball over <laughs> and he was playing too fast. I, I, like He plays great, and then the final moments of these big games happen, and something happens where he turns the ball over or he makes a bad pass or he makes a bad play. So, you know, I don't know if he's a habitual loser because he has, you know, reached the finals. And, you know, you, we could argue about the definition of being a loser. If you reach the finals, does that mean you're a loser? But there are moments where he has had uh, you shaking your head where you're like, what, you know, what are you doing, Chris? It was the same thing this year where he turned the ball over. He was trying to do too much. He turned the ball over and that was that. And you're sitting there like, Chris, man, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Well, like I said before the NBA Finals started, I was rooting for Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> I was rooting for you. Giannis. did have Bucks in seven. You uh, had Bucks said, in seven. You know, so I was rooting for the Bucks. You know, Bucks in seven. And so it didn't really, as long as Chris Paul played well enough to not have a certain kind of narrative, which it looks like was inevitable, <laughs> yes. then, I, then I was fine with it. You know, yeah, he did have costly turnovers at the final moments of the games, throughout the games in both the Western Conference and the NBA Finals. But I think in, in overall, the bigger picture of the, of the playoff performance from Chris Paul, I think he did a superb job with, you know, with Devin Booker. But, yeah. you know, you got, I just call a spade a spade. He did a good job. And the better man won, 50-piece, let's go to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Giannis is not a habitual loser. I think we can finally say that at go. this point. And Chris Paul, too, I mean, he was hurt for a bit, so I'll give that to him. You know, you could use it as an excuse for some people, but he very clearly wasn't 100% for a good portion of the second half of those playoff runs, uh, the playoff run that he made with the Suns. But we appreciate the call. Um, and as always, this this line's going to be open 24 hours a day, seven yes, days is. a week. Labor Day's <laughs> coming up, but we're still going to be open on that phone line. It's going to be open. <laughs> Give us a call. And now, Zach, too, you can send us a text. I just found out that little uh, feature. So if you don't want to hear, have your voice literally heard, you can have it figuratively heard by shooting us a text, and we'll read all the texts that we get. Um, and again, 773-273-9088. 773-273-9088. You can call and now you can text. Um, I'm very excited to see what type of texts we get uh, now oh, that yeah. people don't have to uh, use their actual voice. They can text their displeasures or happiness or hot takes, whatever it may be. So give us a call. Give us a text, whatever it may be. We'll play it on the podcast. We'll, we'll show those texts on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for all the hot takes that we'll get. Now, with that being said, we got Spencer Davies, the basketballnews.com writer coming up. Um, he writes about the NBA, but he's in Ohio. He writes a lot about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cleveland. Uh, reoccurring guest on the show. 
<laughs> so always good to have him on. So let's go to the interview with Spencer Davies from BasketballNews.com. All right, we want to welcome in our guests this week to preview the Cleveland Cavaliers. BasketballNews.com senior NBA editor and writer, Spencer Davies. Spencer, appreciate you joining us this week. Gentlemen, good to be back on the show. Oh, yes, absolutely. Good to yeah. have you back. <laughs> good to have you back as a uh, reoccurring guest. And I'm sure the off season has been fun for you and kind of relaxing. And then suddenly Lowry Markkinen ends up on the, uh, <laughs> the Cavaliers. So they got they got Lowry from Chicago, a three-way trade. Was this a good move for Cleveland? What was your initial reaction to the trade and everything like that and, and how it has to do with the Cavs? Truthfully, first thing I thought to myself was, well, everyone was complaining about all of the, the smaller guards. Well, now you've got three seven-footers on the team to protect those guys. <laughs> there you uh, go. And you have this disproportionate roster uh, that is just missing wings, uh, which is interesting. But uh, as far as a skill perspective goes, uh, the Cavs desperately needed shooting. This is a guy who shoots about 37% uh, from distance for his career, coming off of a 40% year from deep. So, uh, you know, they, they helped that uh, aspect of their, their team weakness. Um, my question is mostly going to be where are they going to find all the minutes for these front court players? Um, you know, I have a lot of uh, bigs, obviously, a lot of money invested in that front court now. My thing is as well, uh, you know, you bring in a guy for four years, $67 million. Now, remember, only six of the $18 million is, in, is guaranteed in the last year. So it, it does get a little better from that perspective. Like almost, I think only 55 or so. Uh, guaranteed total, but uh, you know you're going to bring this guy off the bench because you put so much, you know, it, right. investment into Evan Mobley uh, being your number three overall pick. You just signed Jared Allen to a hundred million dollar contract, so this is the move. You hope you don't take away minutes development wise. Uh, maybe they're thinking to themselves, we're trying to compete this year, and and maybe this is a short term answer. Uh, and I, I also thought to myself that the first thing too, uh, with all of these these players in the front court that they're invested in, one of them maybe they're going to get traded, and maybe they're going to bring it back a wing that way, uh, or maybe they you know couple it with with one of the young guards that the Cavs have drafted in the last three years. So it's it's kind of confusing as to why as to why they went after a power four, but I think that their options just weren't there. So they were like. Let's take a swing on a guy who's on the same timeline as our team. You know, he's 24 years old. He's also had the same kind of instability as those guys, too. He's going to be on his fourth head coach in five years. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it, very similar, uh, you know, experiences as a lot of the, the guys in the Cavs rebuild. So, you know, I, I kind of see this as, as, a, as a swing for them, um, and, you know, trying something different, and they're shaking things up. And I think that in, in least in that lens that – uh, you know, Cleveland fans can appreciate that they're trying something different uh, instead of just kind of remaining the status quo. So, Spencer, what do you think of the idea of potentially putting Evan Mobley at the three and just so they can have, you know, someone out there on the wing? And cause you, you mentioned the fact that they don't have any, you know, good wing players or or something like that or anything like that. But. What do you think of the idea of Evan Mobley potentially going to the three? I know he's a seven-footer. 
first thing I texted one of my one of my people uh, in the organization, and the thing that the person said right back said, "Probably not. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it, it, it is. That was the first thing that came to my mind too. I was like, well, you know, they were talking about Evan. He's kind of like a guard in a seven footer's body. Does that mean that they could try him out at the three? I mean, they did it with Larry Nance Jr. Larry Nance Jr. is also not seven foot, and he's not a unicorn like Evan Mobley is. Uh, but right. I, you know, maybe, maybe we'll see something like that, uh, if, if it has to be necessary, but I don't think that ideally they would play all three seven footers at once. I'm sure JB's got some tricks up his sleeve and he'll do something wacky just cause, you know, you like to experiment a little bit, but, uh, no, I, I probably would not expect Evan to be at the three. Here's how I think that it's going to work. So you have 96 minutes to split between two positions, right? Center yes. and power forward. So, your center minutes are going to go – starting center minutes are going to go to Jared Allen. Starting power forward minutes are going to go to Evan Mobley. But then Evan Mobley becomes your backup center, okay, because the Cavs don't have a backup five anymore. Isaiah Hartenstein's gone. Um, so Evan Mobley is now your backup center and your starting power forward, leaving Lowry Markkinen with plenty of minutes still. Um, and as we know, Kevin Love, we've, we've heard the news uh, you know, this past week that no buyout's coming. Uh, likely they're just going to ride this contract out unless – some trade like as a miracle comes out of nowhere. So, you know, he's going to have a drastically scaled back role. I don't even know how much he's going to play, to be honest with you guys, because now they've got these 20 somethings uh, that are both short and long term answers that they're trying to go forward with. They're going to get more playing time than the aging, you know, mid 30s guy who, who has not been able to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just the God's honest truth. How would you assess in terms of just overall fit with the team, Evan Mobley's drafting at, at third overall? Was it third overall, right? Yeah, third overall. Yeah, third overall. How, how would you assess that pick? You know, did Cavs fans seem happy? Were the general consensus around everything good? Actually, yeah. Uh, for, for for once, a lot of people were very happy <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with the selection of Evan Mobley. I think it's not about what he is right now. I think it's about what he can become. Uh, and, and, you know, potential is a scary word in this sport because sometimes people don't reach that ceiling. Um, and you really have to surround them with the right talent in order to make it work. Uh, the reason that I think, uh, you know, it could work in this way is because, and this is what I wrote too on basketballnews.com is that this guy is seven foot, but he's not like your typical banging, you know, in the paint guy who's going to throw up hook shots and all that. This is a guy who's going to initiate offense. He's going to be somebody you can go go to on the elbows, find backdoor cutters, somebody who's able to put the ball on the floor. He's even got a little bit of a floater, which how does a seven-footer have a floater? Like, you know, like he, he could, you know, he could face up a little bit. You know, uh, I, I think the, the place he had the most trouble with uh, in summer league was when he put it in the triple threat position. Guys were just going low and trying to swipe that ball out of his hands. Okay. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of a ways to go there. I don't like when he's playing back to basket either. I like when he's just playing, you know, face, face up, but not putting the ball low. Like, like, you know, and then he can just go over the top, find guys, uh, cutting diagonally, going baseline, whatever it may be. Um, he's also a really solid, uh, rebounder. Uh, offensive board wise, he can go up and, and, and get those and smash the putbacks down. Um, Still has a ways to go as a screener. I think also that comes with strength uh, because he's he's a really skinny guy for being yeah, you know seven foot. Yeah, <laughs> he's a real skinny guy. It's like I tell everybody uh, that I talk to about Evan Mobley just from watching the film. It's like you know he's a seven footer, but like he's like a guard in a seven in a in a center's body. Like it's 
it, it's such an interesting prospect and such a it's almost like a mystery box. Um, but you know what you're going to get with him right away is that defensive versatility. Uh, the ground that he covers is insane. Uh, mm-hmm. If you watch his tape over at USC, um, somebody that just has strides for days. Uh, his wingspan is gigantic. So, you know, the, even on late contests on, out, out on the perimeter, he's probably going to still get a piece of the ball or he's going to force somebody to put it on the floor. And then who's right, who's waiting right behind him? Jared Allen, who's one of the yeah. better screen protectors. So <laughs> yeah. defensively, it's a really nice pairing. Offensively, probably going to take a little bit, you know, and that's what I was saying pre-draft too when, when all the talks were linked to Mobley going to Cleveland was, you know, it's not about what he is now. It's going to be what he is in three to four years because offensively, it's going to take some time for him to get going. But that's okay because you have Colin Sexton, who's a 25 point per game scorer, pretty much. You have Darius Garland going into year three, who really impressed over the summer. Looks like he got about two inches taller and he added some muscle. Really? And hmm. look at the pictures. Look at the Two pictures. Two inches taller? Him and, nah, him and, that, that means something now. Him and, him and Aaron Neesmith were just in a picture with Jerry Stackhouse. I'm telling you, look it up. It's on Twitter. Wow. Uh, and then if you look at Isaac Okoro, that dude was already built like a rock coming in. <laughs> uh, he's like a, a brick wall now. Like that dude, uh, he, he might even gain an inch of height too because he was only you know, 18, 19 years old when they drafted him. So – that's the young core they're moving forward with. That's why I think it was a little weird when they brought Lowry Markinen in, but he also fits with the timeline. Um, another thing, too, that I forgot to mention, too, with Markinen was uh, the good thing for Allen and Mobley is they don't need to focus on shooting because Markinen's always going to be on the floor with them. So it, it's going to be a nice little mixture to where Lowry can stretch the floor a little bit and those other guys uh, you know, don't have to try and be something they're not. Uh, yeah, okay. especially, you know, Jared Allen tried to step out threes last year. Some of them he made, don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> but you don't want that to be your, 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 you know, your first option, uh, on that at all. And Evan Mobley still got a ways to go with his jumper as well. But, um, I think that's also really nice to, that you can put, it's almost like Larry Markinen and Jared Allen. They're veterans, but they're still so young. It's a really weird thing. Yeah. They're both going into year five, you know, and, and, and they're only 24 years old. Like that's very interesting. And you have team control Mm -hmm. on that too. So I think, uh, you know, cap wise, a lot of people are like, okay, how are you going to pay Colin Sexton? How are you going to pay Darius Garland? How are you going to pay Isaac Okoro? You figure that out later. You figure that out later. You do what you do now, build a team around, and then hopefully you have a good problem after that and, and having to try and pay all these guys. So what do you think? Are the Cavs there in rebuild mode, or do they have enough to contend for the playoffs in the Eastern Conference? Where do you think they're at right now? See, it's a difficult question because the East got a lot better, man. I mean, it, it is the, the the East got a lot deeper and it got a lot better. They've got, you know, uh, you know, big time moves obviously in Chicago, which I'm I'm kind of indifferent about. I know a lot of people are a lot, very excited about Chicago, but I'm a little indifferent there. I still okay. think they're a playoff team, though. I still think they're a playoff team, so don't get me okay. wrong. Uh, I think Washington got a lot better um, with the, with the moves that they made uh, and bringing in some more depth pieces a little bit. Um, a different feel around Bradley Beal, but I love the you know the feel with uh, Spencer Dinwiddie coming, and I think that could be a really good solid backcourt. Um, the Knicks made some upgrades, bringing in Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. Uh, you know, uh, the Nets got deeper somehow. Uh, you know, <laughs> like uh, Atlanta, uh, you know, pretty much stood pat, but you know, brought in a couple of nice rookies, and you know, Miami brings in Kyle Lowry. You get what I'm saying? Like they, yeah. Charlotte even bringing in Kelly Oubre, like you know, like. Yeah. The, the East got a lot better, so it's on the, the the Cavs have to show progress 
Uh, they've got to be competing for the play-in. Let's leave it at that. Okay. And you have an 82-game season. I, the, the last, you know, uh, radio show I was on, I said probably to show progress and to either nearly make the play-in or get into the play-in game, uh, you win probably 33, 34 games. I think that would be acceptable. Um, I think that there is a little bit more pressure, I guess, on the other guys. But, you know, it's a little tougher to really tell on, you see, cause, cause they're, I, I'm serious. Cause like everyone's like, when they're going to make the playoffs, when they're gonna make the, and, and it's a good question because individual development's one thing. And these guys individually right. are getting better, but how do they do that within the team frame? How do they do that? <laughs> how, how do you progress as a team? Uh, make it all fit together. Right. I guess it, it was what I'm trying to spit out here, but. I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they could compete for the play-in if things click right, if they stay healthy, something they haven't been able to do for four years. Like it, It's uh, all dependent on that, and it's a lot of factors. And I, I think the guys are hungry. I mean, Colin Sexton's going into a, a contract year. you got Darius yeah. Garland coming off of a, a summer where he played with Team USA, like huge experience there. Isaac Okoro showed some really solid flashes in summer league. They shut him down after two games. You know, like, I feel like they're in a good spot individually, but again, how they do it within the team framework, how they make it work. Yes, exactly. Collectively, as one. Is I know you mentioned Chicago, and uh, the people, the fans that I know, <laughs> myself, very excited for the season. I think the team's going to be very fun. In Cleveland now, it seems like the pieces are starting to come together. You're getting an idea of the framework that this team in the front office is trying to build. Is there that same excitement? And, and you know, you said there was excitement for Evan Mobley. Is there just excitement in general for Cleveland basketball this year for the first time in a while? Well, you know, the fan base seems to be pretty split. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't exactly thrilled um, with the job that, you know, Kobe Altman and the front office have done. I've, you know, always kind of backed Kobe because I feel like he's kind of been given a, a crappy hand at times. Uh, you know, this year is the first time he's had a top three pick since he's been GM. Like the, all the other picks, fifth pick, fifth pick, eighth pick, like you got to make do with what you got. And I think drafting those guys did a really good job. I mean, we could talk about the Kevin Porter situation and, and if that was mishandled or, uh, you know, just kind of how it, it just didn't work out. But dude scouted him and, and got him at number 30. Um, Dylan Windler is somebody I think that, that people are paying attention to this year because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's had a, you know, a, a foot issue, a leg issue uh, for the last two years, but pretty much his entire career. Um, and, and that's ironic, too, because he didn't miss a single game at the high school or college level. Uh, and then he ends up being you know pretty prone to injury. Uh, his first two years in the NBA. So that's somebody they brought in to be a, a three-point marksman. And, you know, he had a solid, like, three, four-game stretch before, you know, he dialed it back a little bit. And that's also because rotations were inconsistent and whatnot. And you could say the same thing about Jetty Osman. Like, they need a down-pat same nine, ten guys every game. Like, yeah. that's what they need to do. Because I feel like if you look at their lineup data last year, they had one starting lineup. The most games they played was like, I think, five, five mm. games together. Wow! Like it, it's stupid. Like, wow. and they had a ton of different lineups that they employed out there, and you just can't do that. And sometimes it's out of your control. Like I said, 
they had injury issues last year and the year before that and the year before that. Like it's it's not easy to win games like that. Sorry, not five, seven, seven games. And, uh, <laughs> and it was Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, Kevin Love and Jared Allen. And that team went one in six. The wow. next number Ooh, is five. Dang. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's seven no games. Yeah. Seven games with uh, uh, the same starting lineup. That like you can't win that way. You can't. It's impossible. Sounds like there need to be a training camp right now. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, man. Like somebody's got to put something different in the water or something, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Colin Sexton, right? Contract year. Where do you think he's going to be among top point guards in the league going into this upcoming season? Well, uh, I'll start here. Uh, you know, he's got the size of a point guard, but he's really a combo. I, I think yep. he's just a smaller shooting guard type. Um, and he, I would take him like very, very high among the league. And if you need a bucket, if you need someone to go out and score, get to the line, uh, he can do it with floaters. He can do it with the mid range. He can do it with three pointers. Um, like he's he's a really really solid scorer, and he's in a, he's in a, you know uh, an improved playmaker as well. If you go and look back at some of the assists he had last year, uh, they were all when he was driving left, and he would take his his arm and rocket that thing over to the right elbow. Someone would be wide open, and truthfully, the person would brick it. Like. <laughs> You should see how many – I don't want to say potential assists, but so many catch-shoot opportunities uh, that they did not knock down last year uh, off of either his passes or, or somebody else trying to find him. Like Larry Nance, I think, was a solid offensive initiator when he was healthy. Like, you know, so – but but Colin shouldn't be that guy to run an offense. Like, he should be the guy that – he's really good at off-ball cutting and – playing in transition like he mm-hmm. is so good in that and now that Darius Garland's going to be setting the table I think they had a solid rapport last year they just didn't have the offensive pieces around them to to succeed really um so now they have a safety valve and marketing that they can just dump back out to up top to shoot threes uh like I think that that's a solid you know addition to them just for their skill set um yeah. Also, the same thing goes with with Mobley. Mobley finding Colin on, you know, off ball situations, and Garland being able to lob it up to either Jared Allen or Evan Mobley in certain he got options. <laughs> you know, he's got options. And Darius Garland's a hell of a player that can can throw the best lobs, or he can trick you to think he's doing a lob and go off high glass for a floater. <laughs> like, so they've got options. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, but again, uh, it, it might take a little bit for the new guys to get around, but the same time, pretty much the the same core four is together. So maybe they take a step forward. Maybe the training camp will help a little bit. We'll see. What is your hottest take for this team? And this could be a trade they may make, how far they may go in the playoffs, how bad they could be, anything. Coaches, whatever it may be, anything about this team, do you have a, a hot take that you think may have a slight chance of, of happening? A hot take. Whew. That's tough. Trailer. Something that may get you yelled at on Twitter. <laughs> Something that may get yelled at on Twitter. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, we've asked. All right. Hey, you know what? I'll speak it into existence since I already, I already uh, 
put it on our uh, basketball news roundtable. There we go. Let's say uh, Darius Garland, most improved player. Ooh, that's over your boy Lonzo, man. That's over your boy. To say, man, Darius, he he ain't no joke, man. He's herky jerky, shifty. You know what's Uh, crazy? I already like Darius Garland's game. Maybe because it's the really. It's like maybe I don't know. Maybe it's the fit over there in Cleveland. I just don't know. I never thought he fit with Colin Sexton because they were both small. But then you're sitting here telling me that he's grown two inches. So that's about like six four at hashtag, least. Hashtag height watch, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yes, that's sir. impressive. No, mm, but, because but I I just his his game though is just so it's so like beautiful to watch as a basketball fan because. He's just so good at changing speeds and so good. Like his handle is out of this world. Um, he's so quick to create his own shot out on the perimeter. Uh, he should be rolling off dribble handoffs with Evan Mobley, just coming right around and shooting, shooting over the top. I, I talked to somebody in the organization that said they wanted Garland and, and Sexton to get eight up a night. Per, a three attempts per player, yes. Wow. Now that might have changed because Markinen came in, so maybe that number comes down a little bit. But six. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say they want them to shoot threes, and why wouldn't you? I mean, look at the numbers uh, for both Garland and Sexton. They can shoot. They just don't do it enough because they haven't had the offensive, uh, you know, uh, I guess chemistry or the offensive, um, you know, uh, support to be able to to chuck these threes up or they've just turned them down because they've wanted to go in and get their their mid-range they wanted to get their their floaters which it's a good shot like we obviously have seen it work with Trey Young and you know even Luka and stuff like that but they need to be less hesitant to take those and when you have bigs like Jared Allen right in the middle and now you're going to have Evan Mobley out on the elbows to be able to to you know hand it off to you coming off the curl coming off any off-ball screens Shoot it up. See what happens. <laughs> well, we want to thank you, Spencer, for coming on the Points in the Pain podcast, man. We really appreciate you. Basketballnews.com. And what's that podcast? Tell the people where you can find that podcast. Yeah, it's Keeping It 94. It's me and uh, Brian Fritz, one of my friends. We go way back. That is on anywhere you, you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher and wherever else you listen to them. So leave us a review, rate, subscribe, do all that fun stuff, please. And um, hopefully you don't regret it. And hopefully you enjoy my <laughs> guest appearance here on Points of the Bay. <laughs> we appreciate you, Spencer. We really do. There you go, folks. Basketballnews.com, NBA editor and writer, Spencer Davies, joining the show. We appreciate you, man. No problem, guys. All right. Great to have Spencer. Appreciate him coming on. And uh, I learned a lot about the Cleveland Cavaliers, to be honest. I didn't know some of that stuff for sure. Look at that. Darius Garland and grew two inches. Man, yeah. that changes things. That changes things a little bit for me, Ben. Just just a little bit. Because, you know, he's about six two, six one and a half. But then if he can grow two inches and really look like a true two guard alongside Colin Sexton, Future can be a little brighter than what it was. A little that dim is kind of brightening up for the Cleveland Cavaliers, at least from the guard position. It sounds like they need a wing. Seems like there's a little bit more positivity from the Cleveland Cavaliers this time around. So that'll be exciting to see. Um, as built as a Bulls fan, hopefully you don't get too good too fast. <laughs> you need some bad teams to be able to beat if you're the Chicago he said he Bulls. Was indifferent about the Bulls. I was surprised about he that. Was. 
little offended. I'll admit, a little, <laughs> little offended. But uh, no, I, it was. I think overall it was good. We'll uh, we'll have some fun teams also to, to preview um, down the road as well. And that's going to conclude this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast, presented by Stadium, the number one. Being we're the number one NBA podcast at Stadium. <laughs> one and only. One and only. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever. You can even catch clips on YouTube and full interviews available on YouTube as well. All you got to do is search as Points in the Paint Podcast. Now, take don't lie. Man, he's dropping some fire Michael Felder. So make sure that you go ahead and subscribe to that and listen to the latest episode of Tape Don't Lie. Football season is almost among us, so you know you want to make some money with sharp lessons. My main man, Ben Wittenstein, and Nate Jacobson, they're dropping out the latest bets and guarantees. I'm going to say guarantees. (laughs) Okay, Shaquille, over here in Charles Barkley guaranteeing stuff. Make sure that you listen to Sharp Lessons and you will hear from us, Zach and Ben, next week. 